Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're chatting with a guy who describes himself as a backwoods grillbilly. Hey family, hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. Today is a really special day. We're talking with James Grubbs from American Barbecue Showdown on Netflix. Now, before we get into it, I do have a couple of announcements that I just want to run by you first. The first is I want to just let you know that this podcast has been brought to you by the great folks over at Jagged Woodfired in Western Australia. If you're after your next barbecue grill smoker or you've got a custom job, a trailer or a kitchen fit out that you need... Make sure you contact Jagged. There's pretty much nothing that Glenn can't do with a welder, and the guy's just an absolute wizard. So do check them out. They ship nationwide, and they do a really good job of everything that they turn their hand to. The second announcement is that we do have our free ebook available for you over on the Smoking Hot Confessions website. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. So just head on over to the website, smokinghotconfessions.com, have a bit of a click around. A pop-up window is going to appear. Put your details into that, and we'll shoot it through to your inbox for you. The next one is that we do have the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook. If you're looking for a barbecue group where you can just hang out with some lovely like-minded people and just talk about barbecue, this is the place for you. All the guff is left at the door and it's just all about the meat and the fire. And of course, lastly, if you're watching this on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, a subscribe and hit that little notification bell. If you're watching on Facebook, give us a like and a share. And if you've got any questions for myself or James, just pop them in the comments. And if you're watching on Instagram TV, give us one of those cute little hearts and a follow just so you get notified every time we upload a new IGTV video. And if you're listening on a podcasting app, it would really help us out if you could give us a five-star rating and review, particularly if you're on Apple because they mean so much to make Apple drive us further up the charts and put our show out to more like-minded people such as yourselves. Now, as I did say at the top of the show, we are talking to James Grubbs from the Netflix show American Barbecue Showdown. If you haven't seen it yet, do make sure you check it out. It's a really refreshing take on A, reality television, and B, competitive barbecue. We're going to talk a bit more about it later, but it was just a really good, wholesome family show to watch. I sat down and watched it with my wife and son. There was no villain in the show. It was just beautiful. We're going to talk about that a bit later on. So that's about all you probably need to hear from me for that. So let's get James in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Good morning, James. How are you, mate? Welcome to the confessional. Hey, man. How you doing? How's everything over there? Mate, great, great. It's uh, it's quite early in the morning. My son's still in bed. i got to do this interview with you and then I got to get him up and take him to school and I got to start work myself it's going to be a busy day but I love kicking off the day talking barbecue and it's great to be talking to you sir man I, I appreciate you having me on here I really do I enjoy talking barbecue all the time so it's also it's great man yeah so tell me my friend what was the last thing that you barbecued <laughs> four prime briskets and eight heritage grade pork butts <laughs> about five days ago very nice yeah, Sounds I was selling good. sandwiches. I was so just had to get had to get the big meats on, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is is, is that part of your business, Grubbercue? Yeah, Grubbercue's just now starting out. I mean, I've been doing it up here in the hills for twenty five years, but just kind of like an old country born hills doing barbecue. But now I got a little stand, and I'm getting it worked out with the restaurant and the health department. So my goal, I'm gonna do it at least two days a week, and this may be every other week. 
But up here, people aren't used to a good brisket, you know. And 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 I'm from Louisiana, right next to Texas, and I cook brisket's awesome, man. I love it. So that was a big hit I just did this weekend, and uh, barbecue. It's I, it's going slow. It's more. I'm gonna, honest. I'm gonna tell you, it's because of the show. That's why how this whole thing. Because I've been doing what I do for years up here, but since the show, it's it's just unbelievable. It, I, I'm humble. I'm gonna tell you that because I'm just you know I live in the woods of three and a half acres. Ain't you can't even see a neighbor around here, you know. And uh, that's kind of kind of like my life, you know. But now since the show is crazy, man. It's, 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 I could tell you it's crazy stuff. It's wild. I don't doubt that at all, man. And we're, we're going to get into the show very shortly. Um, you, you just mentioned that you were from, uh, from Louisiana and, uh, your bio says Georgia. So I'm just curious, um, cause I'm, I'm a English language teacher during the day and I love accents and things. So I, do you, do you have like a hint of a Cajun accent there? Is that what that is? I don't know. If I was to go back home, I'd probably sound just like everybody else in about three weeks. But I've been in the I've been in the hills up here for 25 years, so it's a it's a below the sweet ice tea line. You know, I think they call it the Mason Dixon line officially. But from sweet tea to non sweet, that's we live below that, and it's just that blend. I grew up in Louisiana, I, but Grubba Q, When they asked me about this on the show, when they put it on there, I've been here 25 years. Grubba Q became Grubba Q in the North Georgia mountains. And that's the way it is. Yeah, fair enough. So, I I wanted to get into that just a little bit. Tell me about um about Georgian style barbecue. I, in my opinion, I think Georgia is kind of a really mix of the it's a all of them from because you we're so close to Tennessee, we're so close to the Carolinas, and then you go you're over here by Alabama. I mean, it's like it's different. But I, from my opinion, and I come from Louisiana where brisket's a big deal, man. But up here, pork butts rule. I mean, they love their damn pulled pork up here and until they had a really good brisket, you know. But and now I think I might be able to convert a few of them. But, uh, and, and they do something up here, see, I'm not even used to, man. Pulled chicken sandwich. I ain't never heard of a pulled chicken sandwich, but they, I mean, that's a thing, you know. And so it's different. And uh, I think a lot of it has to do is you're judged by the sauce in the end up here especially if you're doing it on a retail type of thing because everybody wants that sauce and i'm a hashtag no sauce dude but i make kick-ass sauce and the people want it so you fine put it on there but personally i don't think i've to me cooking the meat's part of the recipe i mean that's you know the smoke the wood all that stuff's part of the outcome of the flavor and the way it works out it's so it's part of the recipe and i don't think if i think if you do it right you don't need no damn sauce on it that's just my opinion you know yeah, I think there's a lot of people listening to the show or, or, or watching it right now that would agree with you there. So do tell me about the sauce um, that is popular there in, in Georgia. Is it like a mustard-based or tomato-based? Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, tomato, tomato, whatever. Yeah, that one, but and vinegar. Vinegar is a big thing up here, especially on pork. They love that vinegar sauce. And I, my red vinegar sauce that I served two sauces this past weekend, and I haven't served a barbecue to the general public up here like that, like I did this past weekend in a long, long time. And I did two sauces. I did a, what I call a, my Coca-Cola ba- uh, barbecue sauce and a red vinegar sauce. And they both, everybody loved it all, but the vinegar pairs better with pork and the other one paired better with beef. So that's how people chose it, I think. Or sometimes they got some of each to try them. But uh, if you go down a little south here or go south 
east, like towards the Piedmont and South Carolina and stuff, you, that's where you start getting into more of that mustard vinegar, more mustard vinegar. And I love it, man. Don't get me wrong. Give me a big old piece of pork and dip it in mustard vinegar sauce. That's good stuff. But uh, <clears throat> most people tend to go with the redder vinegar sauce right here where I live in the mountains. I live in a small town in the mountains, about two and a half hours northeast of Atlanta. So it's a little bit different. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. So I, I understand that uh, like post oak is, is quite popular in, in Texas and Louisiana. What sort of woods do you smoke on in, in Georgia? <laughs> Whatever I can cut out of my yard when I need to, but mostly, <laughs> mostly oak. I use, well, seriously, I have three and a half acres and I got two white oaks down there right now. So I'll use them or hickory, you know, red oak, white oak or hickory. It depends on what I've gotten them cut up. You know, I, I prefer I prefer to run my reverse slow smokers hot and fast. That's how I tend, that's how I just prefer to run. And I can cook a kick-ass brisket in about eight hours that way, and a kick-ass butt in about eight hours that way. So why am I going to stay up all night and run it for 12 or 14, and I can get just as good a product in eight? Because, you know, it's all about internal temperature and getting the meat where it needs to be. It, you know, you do have what you need to do to get it there. But that's the outcome you want is that internal temperature because it's only going to take smoke for so long. So, you know. Yeah, I think and it's I, only the first I just, three or I four I prefer hours. hot and fast. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Um, I, I did mean to ask you before about the Coca-Cola sauce. So you start with a base of Coca-Cola? Yeah. And what, just, just cook it down into kind of a syrup and then well, add the Well, yeah, I need a couple there. things and some Worcestershire sauce, some... Man, I didn't want to give it all away, but I'm going to tell you. Yeah, and a couple other little things up in there, you know what I'm saying? And look, yeah. you got to have a look. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, and you know what? They actually, it's like on the internet, you can go look up Coca-Cola sauce, barbecue sauce. And there's a recipe there for that. But mind you, I had two things different, but it's the base. But it pairs awesome with beef. It's awesome with beef. Okay, that's quite interesting because a lot of people don't tend to like uh, like sweet with beef. They prefer like a... It's not really sweet, though. The Coca-Cola, you know, you, you would think, but that's the sweetest thing in it, in the sauce, is Coca-Cola. Okay, interesting. If you make a quart of it, how sweet is it going to be? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I yeah, this, yeah. Ketchup and Worcestershire sauce, you know, like some other bases you would use in there as well. But that's like the starting. That's the first ingredient would be Coca-Cola. yeah. But yeah. I know it's on the internet everywhere because I, I think I've seen it about 20 years ago. That's probably where I started when I first did it. And I said, well, let me try this shit. And then I changed it, and that's what I use, you know. Yeah, yeah, very nice. And so what, what kind of seasonings are, are unique to, to Georgian-style barbecue? Well, it's weird up here, I guess. They do, with, with poultry and stuff, they'll do like a, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, I don't want to describe it. Not a Cajun seasoning, but kind of like that same blend of oregano, thyme, and onion, and garlic, and but maybe have a little more paprika than cayenne type of thing, you know, up here. And uh, I personally, I make a thing my own called Grub Love, Grubbo's Love. And if you mix Grubbo's Love with some brown sugar and some sweet smoked paprika, then you get Grub Rub, and you can use Grubbo's Love as like a Cajun style, but it's a little different. Like I say, it's got less cayenne and more paprika. And, and one other little thing, and that's it. So, but it's like a base pattern, you know. Cajun seasoning in a can. If you buy any Cajun seasoning in a can, that is a good blend of seasoning. Sometimes some of them are a lot more salty, but you know, I don't. I gotta watch that salt. And some of them aren't, but uh, they're basically the same. 
you know? So that it's a good base. I would tell anybody if you were starting out with a, to make your own rub or like you want to make a blend, start with what's in Cajun seasoning. Look up Emerald's Essence or look up Cajun seasoning because the internet's there for you. Look it up. And there's a, there'll be like 10 recipes and then you can kind of like put one together, see what tastes good for you, and boom, you got it's easy, you know? Beautiful. Yeah, just a bit of research there to, to get you started. Now, that now, and experience and time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you, you did just uh, just briefly mention there that you've um, had, had to cut back a lot on salt. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because that's quite an interesting uh, bit of a story there. Well, you know, I, well the show now passed, but it, and I, it came up on the show, if I remember, but I had a heart attack in uh, 2018, June of 2018. So I was like 230 pounds, man. And uh doctor said, hey, Grubbs, just because you cook it all don't mean you got to eat it all. Something's got to change, you know. So I just made a conscious effort. I make my salad dressings low sodium or no sodium because I eat a lot of salads. My diet is, I, I call it Grubbo diet. I try to eat 50% fruits and vegetables. And the, all the proteins, I just try to keep lower fat. I mean, I ain't going to have a chuck roast if I can have a sirloin. You know what I'm saying? Just ch- maybe a chicken breast instead of chicken thighs. You know, but I still got to put the skin on it. <laughs> they said, you ain't supposed to eat no chicken skin. I said, but damn, you said so good, you know. But anyway, and, but it's so, so low sodium. Like the Cajun, too, I'm a, actually a rep for Creole Depot out of Louisiana for their season because I use a, their season blends on my pork butts and my ribs. It's awesome. And they, they have a, it's a veteran-run company in the U.S. in Lake Charles where I'm from. But they use a lower sodium, not a no sodium because that no salt, stuff you buy it ain't right there's something in it i don't know what it is but it just has a it's different got something texture. else instead yeah 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 but a lower sodium so you can still eat it's just everything needs to be in moderation you know but just you cut back on your fat cut back on your salt and then you know i, I weighed i think i'm about 183 today or you know yesterday so i'm still holding two and a half years after my heart attack and i ate barbecue i'll tell you i had a big old brisket sandwich last night <laughs> <laughs> and I got leftover brisket that I had. I just made a beef vegetable stew with in the house, and it, man, it's smelling awesome, you know. Yeah, it it is a bit of a common uh, conundrum or dilemma when it comes to being a barbecue guy. Is you know how do you how do you manage all this delicious food and then not um, not not damage your health in the process? So that's quite interesting that you've had to find that balance, and uh, you you sort of. Weren't, weren't really given a choice there, which was, um, it's, uh, it's, it, it's unfortunate, but it's obviously worked out well for you because you look fantastic and you present well, you've got great energy. So it's, it's obviously working for you, but how do you, um, how do you go with the, with all the sugars in the sauces and stuff like that? Have you, have you substituted different ingredients or? That's why, well, I'll use honey instead of sugar. I mean, cause honey, honey's God's food, man. I mean, honey's a, all natural. You could live if you if all you had was peanut butter and honey in your house. You could live for six or eight months easy. You might lose a little weight, but it's natural food, and that's if you're gonna do it, do it naturally. I'm not saying you can't go 100% without sugar and salt, you, unless you're gonna go eat the grass like a dang cow out in the yard. You know what I'm saying? Because everything's got salt and sugar in it. That's just the way it is. So you have to moderate. You have to do it just so I make if I make my own sauce, I can control it. You see. If you make your own sauce, you can control the salt. You can control the sugar. So you have that ability to do that. And that's, I mean, I've got a little recipe book now that I just started after the heart attack for like salad dressings because I ate a lot of salad. And they're all no sodium at all, you know, using fruits and other things like that. So it's like 
you know why not you know because the salad's great for you it's a dressing it'll kill you you know if you so you just you you buying all that shit at the damn store with all that sodium and preservatives and that shit ain't no good for you man i'm sorry but, uh, yeah it's like it, um it's, it's like when they try and tell you to drink diet coke instead of coke and then they pump it full of acetate instead yeah 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 it's you take one or the other right is it, yeah. the car, is it the carotid artery or the aorta? Which one's going to get clogged first? That's the only difference, you know. It ain't going to make no damn difference. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, I'm curious to know, because uh, I, I saw that you're also a hunter and you're, you're into game meats as well, and I'd imagine up in the up in the hills of Georgia there, there's plenty there as well. So can you tell us a bit about um, some of the more exotic, shall we say, meats that you've uh, caught and cooked? Well, up here in Georgia, mostly, I mean, other than bear, you know, and that's kind of greasy. It ain't real pleasurable, but if you was hungry, you'll eat it, you know what I'm saying? But in deer meat, we killed, we used to get like three or four deer every year right here on the property, my son and I. But he got older and he's not here, and I'm old and I ain't dragging one up the damn hill. So, you know, we don't do it as much anymore. But, you know, he got to, I got to where I taught my son, he could skin a deer in 10 minutes, you know? So, wow. But, yeah, well, we process them, and I make a lot of summer sausage. I make a lot of deer jerky, and it's some of the, of course, your tenderloin and stuff you're going to cook otherwise, but just some all the hams, I do my own grinding, slicing, cutting. We we hang, we don't take it to the guy down the road with the slaughterhouse. We hang it up here right after we kill it, clean it out, put it in the cooler here, and then do what we got to do with it, you know. But I got, it's to the point where I got friends now that will give me deer meat. If I make a big batch of summer sausage, they'll bring me over the deer meat, and I make the sausage, and we split it. So, you know, it works out for everybody. Because I got the smoker in the back. I got the grinders. I can do it. I got a good recipe, too. So, Yeah, I love how that sort of brings the community together like that. I remember growing up on the farm when I was a kid. We used to um, we used to know a guy who was able to process the animals, but he didn't have the space to raise the pigs. So we would raise the pigs, and then he'd come out and, and, and he'd process them, and I'd, I'd, I'd help him, and then we'd split the meat that way as well. Yeah, yeah, it works out. Works out good, man. I've, I've actually traded smoked chicken for dental work up here before. You know, I was so. going to ask about that. I, I had read that you were quite into a barbecue barter system. Well, I, it's, I've been doing it up here so long. It's really a small customer base as far as the locals go. But see, I'm, I'm, I'll make it short. But a lot of people that live up here in the warmer weather or don't live here all the time, there's a lot of second homes up here in the mountains. And they're part-time customers, but the, the loyal customers, man, you know, they won't, cause I don't do it all the time. I so I can only do 12 chickens at a time when I do chickens. That's all I got room in my refrigerator in the basement for to brine them. So that's all there is, you know, <laughs> and it takes 24 hours. So that's it, you know, and then I smoke them and I, I can sell chick. I can sell 12 chickens here. It went about 10 minutes smoked and brine chickens. Yeah. Wow. They're going like that. Yeah. So you know, it's just you got those loyal customers. And if your doctor's one of them or your dentist is one of them or the guy that puts the brakes on your car is one of them, trade a chicken, get a little, you know, cleaning done or something, and it, it just works out, you know? That's fantastic. I, I can't uh, I, I can't express enough how much I wish I could do that here. That sounds awesome to me. Uh, I want to loop back to, to bear. How do you go about hunting bear? <laughs> You don't have to hunt them, especially when they start coming out, because they come around. <laughs> you don't you know hunt I mean? them, they, they hunt you? Out. Yeah, no, they've been on my back porch. <laughs> I've watched them drag my trash can up the hill behind the house. <laughs> I mean, they stole the damn dog's food bowl off the bat. My dog was scared for the rest of his life after that. You know, no, it, it, it ain't that hard. <laughs> it really isn't. Because, see, once 
once there's one shows up in a neighborhood, well, my neighborhood, you want to call it that. It's about, I don't know, 50 acres around here, but, and there's, there's, you know, there's 10 or 12 homes. You hear about it, you know, whether getting into garbage cans or going for the food or it, they see them, people see them out the window or something, you know, so, you know, there's one around. And then eventually one of the neighbors, somebody's going to shoot that bear because it's a nuisance and it's legal and people eat it. So, you know, I, I'm just, uh, I'm not a big fan. I think there's ways you could probably render it down and make it better. But the only time I ever, I did a neck roast one time that wasn't too bad, but the, some ham meat I did just, I don't know. I just couldn't get that little, I don't know, <laughs> watering in the creek too long or something taste. I don't know, but this is a little, wasn't that wasn't clean, you know, and I didn't clean the bear. So I don't know, you know, but I know they got a big old layer of fat, man, between the damn fur and the meat, a thick layer of fat, like what you get between the point and the flat on a brisket, that old hard end up in that deco part. That's like, that's like the covers the whole bear thing on the hands and stuff. It's crazy. Well, that would make sense because they do have to carry that big layer of fat so they can hibernate through the winter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's really hard to try to clean out, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd imagine it would be. Interesting stuff. Yeah, we don't have bears over here. So it's uh, it's always something that, we're, that that I'm always really curious about. And are they, you, you'll have to forgive my, uh, my, my naive Aussie innocence here. Are they brown bears or black bears? Uh, black bears. They're black okay. bears. Georgia black bears. They, the biggest, I think the biggest one ever killed around here ever, maybe been 340, 50 pounds. Most of them that are around here are about 200 to, you know, 250. The grown ones are, you know. So this, they're not as big as some of the other bears. But they're probably because they got to climb up and down the damn hill everywhere they go. And, you know, it's the mountains, so they get a lot of exercise. <laughs> yeah, right. And are they the, are they the man-eating ones? Nah, they ain't never been no bear problems up here. No, get, the worst thing they do is they'll get in your car if you if they're when they're coming through and they're hungry, especially if, they, if some of the neighbors have left food or something out, and all of a sudden they found a place, they'll tear your stuff up to get into to get some groceries, and they just eat anything. They don't care. They like jelly and Fruit Loop cereal, whatever the heck it is, you know. So, I mean, they took my damn dog's food and his whole bowl up the hill, little container and everything, you know, up there. They, to eat it and i said well he can have it when he gets done i'll go clean it up because i ain't gonna i ain't gonna bother with bear while he's eating you know <laughs> let him go you know if you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill jagged wood fired has got what you need owners julianne and glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who have even traveled to the u.s to compete at the world barbecue championships in houston texas Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, their incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinets are proving extremely popular in commercial settings, and they also make some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever going to see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfired.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfired.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D, to learn more. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on 
ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, Grubs, now I want to get into the actual Netflix show itself. That must have been a fantastic opportunity for you. Um, the, the American Barbecue Showdown on Netflix. If the listeners and the viewers haven't caught it yet, make sure you jump on Netflix, check it out. Uh, it's a reasonably recent addition here in Australia, so it's, it's still quite fresh for us. Mate, how did that opportunity come about? Honestly, I, I applied for a casting call that I found on a Facebook cooking page that I followed barbecue. And uh, I had been an alternate on a show called American Grill that was on the Travel Channel about five years ago. And Miss Tina won that in Savannah, Georgia. It was a All Savannah right. edition. But I was the alternate. So that was my first foray into trying to do something like that. And uh, I had done a couple other little shows that had nothing to do with cooking, except my cone holders that was on the one episode were on one of the shows. And then I just got this opportunity, and it's like, well, let me put in for it. Let's see what happens. And it was uh, quite the process, man, to get, to get on the show. It really was. It, the audition part was – it was it – was, I'll just say, if anybody else wants to do this and try to get onto it, just be mine, put in the work, okay? It ain't like they're just handing it out to everybody to do, be able to do this. You know, you got to put in the work. We did videos. We did interviews. We did Skype interviews. They'd send you some a stipend, some money to cook certain things, and you had to videotape it while you was doing it and give them the recipe and the pictures. And, yeah, it was a, it's a, it was a big deal to get on it, you know? Yeah, that sounds pretty intense because I'd imagine that you wouldn't just be auditioning your on-screen skills. You'd also have to be auditioning your cooking skills and your, um, if, if you're sending them uh, photos and, and you're shooting your own video, then you've got to be able to show your presentation skills, like your, your food presentation skills as well. So that would be quite yeah. challenging. It is challenging because it's not a Mr. America contest, it's a damn cooking show, you know? So personality is only going to get you so far. you got you got to come with the chops on the table. There's one point on an episode, I'll tell you real quick, I said to myself, I told, I hollered out back, I said, can I get a plating assistant over here? I said, because I sure can't cook it, but my place ain't looking nothing like these people over here. You know? It was crazy. But anyway, yeah, yeah, you do. You got to work on that stuff. And I, if, if you follow me now on Facebook and stuff, you'll see some of my food pictures that I'm doing more on Instagram or looking better, you know, and, and that's all because of that show, you know. I mean, it's truly. So when you did ask them for that plating assistant, did they give you the plating assistant? No, they didn't give you no plating assistant. Oh. <laughs> they just laughed at me and said, do the best you can, Grubs. <laughs> oh, wow. So so what was the lead-up to the show like? What, were you having to practice every week? And uh, Well, uh, between the, there was a lot of hurry up and wait. You know, once you got through that initial interview and then the videos and all this stuff, I mean, they sent a pitmaster up from Atlanta to taste my barbecue at my house on Memorial Day in 2019 that afternoon to see if I was for real. You know, I don't know what they paid him, probably 150 bucks stipend or something for him to roll up here and eat in my house. But it was, and then it was like a hurry up and wait. And, and you'd get calls from the producers, because I was always an alternate. See, that's another thing people don't realize. I went down there as an alternate. When I, the last call I got on Thursday before they came and picked me up at my house, was Grubbs, look, man, you're, going, you're still an alternate. You know, Netflix ain't decided yet, but we're going to bring you down here. We're going to pay you some money. Do what you do. Let's see you get on the show. I said, well, shit, I was slinging groceries overnight at a damn grocery store, man, part-time. I said, well, let me go down there and make $700 or something and come back home and get back in the grocery truck. It didn't matter to me. You know what I'm saying? I, was, I, was, I made up my mind, well, I'm going to go down here and I'm going to have fun. And then when we got down there on Saturday night, 
they picked me up and brought me down Saturday. When I got there, there was 10 contestants. See, not eight. And so by Monday morning, when we did the first walkthrough, there were eight contestants. Oh, okay. So, and I was one of them. So was it was it eight plus the two alternates, or were there supposed no, they to be were ten? Gone. They then... didn't put them to the hotel, brought them back to the airport or something. But right. it was eight plus two. Yeah, I was an alternate. And I don't know who the other alternate was going into it. Uh, okay. You see what I'm saying? There was ten of us down there, and I know he told me straight up, "Grubs, you you know they still got you as an alternate. Come on down here and do what you do." You know. And so, did they explain why they sent the other two home? Was it just like a chemistry mix with the other? Uh, pit masters on no, the show? No, no, no. They didn't say because that's strictly up to the producers and stuff. And you didn't really actually see the those people. They were in that back room all the time filming. But there was, you know, we can speculate, you know, and I and I, in my mind I can speculate, but I don't think it'd be, you know, the right thing to do, sure. you know, in an open forum to do something like that. But, yeah, there's a different, and I'm going to tell you straight up, one thing for sure, personality has a lot to do with it. If you saw the eight contestants that were on the show, you got to realize per, it ain't just a cooking contest. It's personality has a lot to do with it. You know, and I think that's what kept me as an alternate, to be honest with you, you know, until I got in there and got to do what I started doing. So I'm going to tell you, man, when I got down there, I call my old lady up here in the hill. I, I said, damn, you ain't going to believe this. I'm still here. <laughs> Another night to go, I'm still here. Can you believe that? because <laughs> I knew some of these people from the cooking world. Okay. I've, I met Miss Tina on that other show five years ago. She won, you know, so I've known when I walked in there and saw those people in the hotel lobby, I was like, damn, I can't believe this. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it was like that. And they went through 1500 people dude, to get those. Wow. 10 that were there. Yeah. So, you know, I tell anybody, if you get the chance to do it, do it. It's a blast, man. It's like Disney World for barbecuers. It's it's that much fun. Yeah. Mate, I'd, I'd, I hope they come and do one in Australia soon. I'd love to be involved. So tell me about the, the, the filming process. Like, how, how many days was it? How long each day were you on set? All that sort of stuff. Well, that varied. The days varied. But the longest, I think, one night we were there almost 17 hours. And I think wow. that was the I think that was the picnic thing if I remember right, but it mostly was 12 hour days. Cause see, they get you in early, early in the morning, like at 6 AM, you have to go to set. Cause you got to get mic'd up. You got to have breakfast, blah, blah, blah. Before you even go over to where the pits are. And then you'd walk over where the pits are and you, there'd be pits. You ain't even seen. They weren't there last time you was there. It'd be different, you know? <clears throat> and you didn't know what they were going to tell you you had to do. So you would walk over there and before, pits. I tell you that one time there was a vortex cooker, one an ugly drum. I've never used either one. I never used a pellet grill in my life till that thing was sitting right there. And then, and you don't know what they're going to tell you, but they give you like 45 minutes to get your fires going. So what you do, you just light them all. <laughs> cause you don't know what to, cause you're going to have to use one or two of them in the challenge. And they, they didn't show that on every episode, but that was the rules. So you had to oh, use okay. that on the challenge. Yeah. So you didn't know until it was time to go. And then you couldn't waste no time because if your fire wasn't lit, you was all right. Cause the time, the time was real, man. Those time challenges were real and there's no clock on the wall. There's no, you know, timer going down for you to turn around and look at, you know, that shit was intense. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> so it, it was a bit different than to the master chef style shows where the, the judge, the uh, hosts are constantly yelling at the contestants. You got one hour to go. You got 45 minutes to go. 
Well, every once in a while, if we we could we could you know call out, and somebody would somebody would answer, and then you would if they were because you saw we had two separate cooking areas outside and inside. If you heard the time, we well, we got two hours, whatever it is, you got two thirty. Then you'd holler, go in and let everybody else know too, because they they wouldn't have heard it in there if they hollered it outside when you asked, you know. But one of the because there was always either rut and lyric or I mean and uh, Kevin and Melissa. Two of them were always out there, out in the grass in the shade, you know, while it was going on. Sometimes all of them were out there. But they would, you'd holler, and Rutler was mostly the uh, timekeeper. You know, he'd tell you, he'd holler back at you, got three hours, you know, and so, okay, woo, let's go, you know. Uh, and did you have to keep all your all your recipes in your head, or, or, or did they let you uh, have, uh, have Dr. Google there to help you out? No, 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 no electronics on set. But this is one thing, and y'all probably, if you watch the show, then you saw a couple of times where people were looking in a notebook. I think Ash under the table, Georgia standing in her station from above. We got these notebooks they sent us, okay? And I'll leave this in the story, too. It's part of the reason maybe some of the people didn't make it the, on the first round into alternate because of the notebook. Because the notebook was strict. The notebook says the people who control the notebooks told you we're sending you a notebook. You write down every recipe you might need in that notebook because that's the only thing you're going to have on set. And that was it. So this is the way it works. So during this whole six-month trial period of application, they were sending you recipes. Make a quick bread. Make a this. Make a that. Make a that. So I'm saying, guess what? I probably need to keep that recipe in mind because they want me to cook this. So let me write that recipe in my notebook because that's the only thing you had. That was a six-month process. And, and you didn't know what they were going to ask you to cook because I held the show hadn't started yet, you know. But it was just my mind, train of thought. So everything was in my notebook was handwritten. I had, and when I look back on it now, I got the notebook now still because we brought them home. But every day when shooting was over, that stayed with them. You didn't take that back to the hotel room. That was That was the only thing that was left to be on set all the time. You got your tools and stuff, you know, clean and put at your station that you had brought you were allowed to bring like 10 different tools that you could use that you really needed like a cast iron. i brought my sand tuco knife but whatever you know things like that but other than that man that notebook stayed right there and they told you when they gave you that notebook write down what you think you might need and that's that's that was the gist of it man right that that's really interesting that they sort of took it back to uh to, to that more traditional idea of the of the pitmasters um, you know logbook type thing that's that's quite interesting um, you just said then that that was a six month process like a, that that whole audition process took six months every bit of it I started I, actually I started May 2nd and I went down to film September 7th yeah right wow just over six months yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, damn near anyway, June, July, August, yeah, four, four or five months. Yeah, right. You know? And you're waiting this whole time. <laughs> it's crazy because they, I had a little part-time job, like I said, overnight slinging groceries, you know, so I I was like the vampire hours, you know, working and trying to do this in the daytime, you know. It was like, because I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> Once I got the opportunity to go do the show, I quit my job overnight over there. I said, I ain't going to come back and do this. Y'all can have that, you know. So... But that's how I pay for my tattoos and my barbecue and stuff is part-time work, you know, because I'm retired, basically. So. Yeah. Now Sounds I'm like slinging a... sandwiches. Yeah. 
and you and you've never looked happier. Uh, <laughs> life is good, brother. Life is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned that um, that each contestant was able to bring ten of their own tools, and that you uh, one of yours was a Santuku knife. What were the other nine that uh, that were your ultimate must-haves? Well, mine was a rib rack and a potato rack that I built myself for doing uh, cooking potatoes on the grill. I, one time, I don't know, I don't even remember what episode, but I did potatoes for like a potato salad or something, but I smoked them on the thing first. I got a potato rack that's got like it's stainless steel and it's got probes up, and you put the potatoes on it, put it on the grill. I made it myself because I was a machinist by trade. And I got a rib rack to where, because I'm not knowing what kind of cooker, I can stack 10 racks of ribs in an area this big with a rib rack as opposed to trying to lay them out flat on a grill because you didn't know what you was going to cook with, you know. Yeah. And I had my four cone holders, and they counted those as one, each of one. And I had a cast iron skillet that survived the hurricanes in Louisiana and my family. And I don't remember what else other than my knife that you know my knife i use for almost everything you know for chopping dice and slicing whatever you know yeah yeah. honestly they had a lot of good stuff there to work with the top of the line but their knife selection wasn't the world's best it's almost you know, i ain't but i ain't mad at nobody don't get me wrong you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah but you get used to a knife i guess is what i'm you know yeah i was gonna say when it comes to knives a lot of that comes down to personal preference of the of the chef mm-hmm yeah, interesting stuff. Now, the, all those different holders and things that that you were mentioning before, you're also an inventor, and you're on a TV show called called Hatchet. It, is a, are those the uh, the the products that you took into the Netflix show? Yeah, that's called the show is Hatched. It was kind of like a Shark Tank show, where you go and look for investors to get your stuff put on a store shelf. And I just came up with them like three or four months before that, that even popped up for an audition thing. I said, well, hell, I got something. Let me try it, you know. And ended up going to L.A. and doing all that, but uh, they didn't give me the money. And uh, But I still got about a 1,000 of them in the basement if you know anybody wants to buy some. Uh, <laughs> I haven't made Pennsylvania up here. But, yeah, it was fun, and I sold a bunch of cone holders after that, but I still – it didn't go where I wanted it to go, you know. So it is still when I do a little grilling thing, like when I set up to do raise money to fight cancer and stuff, and we're ribbing, selling ribs and stuff, I'll put some of them out there and do some demonstration where I fill the cones with chocolate and marshmallows and cook them, sell them to raise money. Then I can sell you a set of cone holders to bring home with you, you know, uh, and then money all goes for a good cause. And it's good because believe me, I done lost my loss on those things <laughs> years ago when I bought all them things and didn't sell them all as fast as I thought I would. So, you know, I ain't going to give them away, but, you know, if they're for a good cause, I'll do what I got to do with them. I, I still got about a thousand of them in the basement, I think, today, you know. That's crazy. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I think I've got a box in, uh, in under my house of about 500 CDs I recorded about 15 years ago, <laughs> back, back when I was going to be a rock star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you you uh, you mentioned that um, that the show was incredibly uh, authentic. Um I've talked to a couple of people who've been on different reality TV shows who've said that uh, that reality is really in quotation marks. So what what sort of percentage would you say of the American Barbecue Showdown that we saw was was real and not sort of, uh, you know, executively produced and shaped? Well, it was still produced exactly because, heck, you know, you're mic'd up the whole time from morning to night so you get there so they hear everything you do all day. And that's one thing with you see with the clothes. You know, we wore the same clothes every episode because we get asked that crap all the time. It blows me away. So anyway, you got the same clothes, but that's 
it helps with editing too because if you answer a question like well i guess so they might shoot show that in episode three hell you would know the difference you know i mean seriously but i'm gonna tell you the times were real. You got there in the morning, like I told you before, with the fires and get them ready. They tell you, which, oh, that's real. They didn't tell you what to do, but they filmed you the whole time. So what they put together was the reality of exactly what happened that, that day. I mean, don't, and I'll tell you, you know, people say, well, how do you know what you're going to, how could you do your fire management? Or they asked me, like, how did you keep up with your fires? Never cooking on a lane before. And I said, well, ain't that damn complicated. If you've been barbecuing for 40 years, fire management is fire management. You build a fire, you see what the temperature, oh, it needs to be hotter, it needs to be lower, open the vent, close the vent. They all work the same. You know, I mean, so, but that was 100% real and authentic. I mean, how they put it together, and, well, you know, they, they use snippets. They, they, y'all, straight up, man. So, 45 minute episode, you film for, 10 to 14 hours, okay? They took those 10 to 14 hours and put it into 45 minutes. So you know you're not getting everything that's out there. So the reality is what's behind what they put together is real, but how they put it together may be a little storytelling. You follow me on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. But there were no sort of, uh, there was no sort of Frankenbites where they'll, they'll, Film one person asking a question, and then film the answer, and then take another answer. And no, 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 no. But sometimes, the... sometimes they would feed. I know the guys. See, those dudes that were in charge were in that little back room in the barn. You didn't see it, you know. And, and everybody's mic'd up. There's cameras everywhere, so they knew. They knew it. Let's be honest, okay. So when I grabbed the damn dark chocolate by mistake, they saw that. Okay, it's on the camera. You can see it. So they know to ask to tell the judges to ask you about that chocolate. You, you follow me on that? But yeah. it's still real because I forgot that I didn't get the right damn chocolate. So, I mean, <laughs> it's still real, but they see everything and they hear everything. So some of the questions that the judges come in, and, and believe me, people don't don't even see. Okay, I'm going to give you a real quick rundown how it worked real quick. You cooked your food. Timer says, hands up. Judges said, hands up. Boom, step back, right? Well, you had to do plates for the judges and the team and then one plate for a culinary to come get. And the culinary people would come get that plate and they would do what they do because that's their job. That's the pictures. When you saw the pictures of the food on there, those are the pictures of the food other than when it was in a mass, you know, but when their individual pictures were done professionally by the culinary crew of the show, these same people that work with Gordon Ramsay and stuff, they know it ain't like pretend, you know, so they know how to do that. That's, and that's why I wanted as a plating assistant, but I couldn't get them, but they know what to do. <laughs> Yeah, they know what to do, you know, so that was it. So, and then the judges wrote, taste your food right then because it was hot and fresh. And you may not go back to the judges for an hour and a half or an hour after they're talking, whatever they do, blah, blah, blah. And then we sit around and film them tasting the food and the shit's cold by then. But, you know, they just, everybody just takes a little taste and kind of, you know what I'm saying? But that's part of the interaction of the, after the judging. They're not actually judging you on what they tasted that very minute in front of you. They had already tasted the food an hour and a half ago while it was still warm. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But it's still real. I mean, it's it's still reality, but it's just the camera puts it where it needs to be in order. Definitely, you know? yeah, yeah. Now, you, you're just mentioning the, the judges there, and I had to just ask, what was it like being able to work with the incredible Melissa Cookston? <laughs> it was wonderful. I, uh, first of all, when I saw, I see, I saw their names that Monday on the walkthrough on the, on their little, uh, trailer. They had their, I saw Rutwood, Kevin Bledsoe. I said, damn. Cause I was telling the people walking back with us back to the hotel. The other, you know, who's going to be here. 
you know, and the one girl that was in like one of the co-producers, everybody's an associate producer on the show. Everybody, I don't know what I, I mean. They got the everybody's a damn something <laughs> producer. So she's like, Grubs, Grubs, you can't say nothing. I mean, what do you mean? I can't say? I just saw it right there. I mean, it's like, like, you know, it's a big damn secret, you know? No, no, let's just, you know. So, but when we got back later to the hotel and they were the, what I've called them, the gatekeepers, they, I think they call them cash wranglers or something. They had, cause you had to get permission <laughs> to leave the hotel and do all this other shit, you know? So, but I called them the gatekeepers. <clears throat> and then once we got to the hotel away from them, I was telling them, I said, y'all know who's going to be here? Cause we didn't know who the hosts, the judges were going into it. No idea. But I just saw, you know, the name on the trailer. I looked over there. I said, what? And I know she's the queen of damn Memphis barbecue, man. We're talking Memphis in May and, you know, yeah, world championships. That's big time, man. That's why I was so blown away by it when I was like, damn, I, I couldn't even believe I was included with those people. You know what I mean? To me, it was, it was humbling to me because I'm just a good old boy slinging, you know, barbecue on the side trying to make people happy, man. That's all it was, you know? So it was, it was, it was, it was amazing to me to even see that. I was like, damn, you know? Yeah. That's quite a, quite an experience indeed to be able to, uh, to, to hang out with Melissa and, and Kevin like that must've just been incredible. Hey, she, she earned every right to be there. Her and Kevin Bloodsoe, they, both of them had the credentials and the creds to be where they were at on that show. And there's no doubt about it. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Um, one thing that I have noticed about Netflix is that they, uh, that, that they like to keep a stable of actors and they move them from project to project. So are we going to see Grubs regularly on, on Netflix now? I'm going to tell you, I ain't opposed <clears throat> to doing something else with the Netflix. But at this time, you know, COVID's got things slowed down. There ain't a whole lot of filming going on. It's kind of hard to film folks with a mask on their face. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, uh, I think, first of all, let me tell you this. And I would tell anybody that gets this opportunity, man. And you know what? I'll tell you. I'm going to run this real quick. It will happen because we will get, if they start casting a season two, all the people who are on season one will get that information. And I'll share it with every barbecue Facebook page in the world because I would encourage anybody who – actually want because i believe me i put in for shows 10 15 times you don't hear shit most of the time been told no a half a dozen it don't matter but eventually it happens you know be do what you do chase your dreams i say i'm 59 years old man i'm chasing my dream but guess what i caught one of them you know what i'm saying i like snared that bitch like a possum in a trap right boom got that dream <laughs> but uh it's it's amazing it's just totally amazing to be part of that project and uh What's happened since the project is just, it's crazy. It's crazy, man. I mean, it's like, and I'm going to tell you a little something. When I was doing my little barbecue stand this past weekend in town in Blairsville, we got a little small town here in the mountain. But you know what I got a biggest thrill out of? These kids, we're talking 12, 12-year-old 12 boys and girls, 13. They're watching cooking shows on TV, dude. That's encouraging. They know, oh, Grubs, man, we saw you on the show. Well, why is it? When I was 10 years old, I wasn't watching cooking shows on TV. But that, it's promising, man. If kids that age take an interest in this, think what they can do. When, you know what I'm saying? It's like, because uh, it's a big, beautiful world, man. Barbecue is a big, beautiful world. It really is. And I'm going to tell you, I probably came up in a show once, and I've said it a million times in my life, there's no better way to meet a new friend or a good person than over a plate of food. And where I live is barbecue. I live in the South, below the sweet tea line. You know what I'm saying? So that's just one thing that's, it's, it's just a great thing. 
And uh, I've never seen anybody eat barbecue and not smile. You know, be, be trying to be grumpy and shit. You know, so <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing, man. I just felt so blessed to be part of it. I really did. Yeah, it was definitely a huge opportunity for you there, and to have those kids involved must just really uh, really warm the heart for you. Now, you, you did mention that what's happened since the show has been crazy. Can you tell us a bit about what's uh, what's been happening for you since? I want to tell you something that's really crazy. Okay, and this is this is insane. These two dudes up in out in the UK, okay, skater guys, got my name tattooed on their leg. Oh what? Okay, <laughs> one of them with a sausage underneath it, and one of them with a grill underneath it. Now that's weird. Okay, okay, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but. I mean, I've got a chance to do some celebrity cooks. I've done some other podcasts. I've done some Facebook live stuff, you know, but for me, I'm trying to get these, this little barbecue setup going in town here. Cause even though I'm going to do it part time, that's what pays the bills down the road, going up to show up at your place in Dallas, Texas and cooking chicken, which you ain't going to pay my bills six months from now. You know what I'm saying? So, and I'm all for that. That'll all come man, because it's still on Netflix. That's the whole thing. It ain't going nowhere. It ain't like it was on CBS two months ago at eight o'clock and all the episodes are done, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's on Netflix. So, but they keep coming, man. And it's, it's, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel blessed, man. I'm going to be honest with you. Cause I never thought, first of all, getting on the show and then I got on the show. And then in my mind, for whatever reason, even though as enamored as I was with the set and the equipment, the, the quality, I mean, you're talking Wagyu beef, Duroc pork. You're talking, I'm, I ain't got deep pockets like that, man. That's not how I roll at all. You know what I'm saying? I get my shit for 99 cents a pound, my pork butts. I ain't paying no 2 or $3 a pound. That's just the way it goes. But it was amazing. It was totally amazing. And all the equipment was top of the line. They treated us like rock stars, man. It was, it was just, I, it, that's the most fun you can have with your damn clothes on. You know what I'm saying? It, it was, that. it was, it, it was just unbelievable you know it was i loved it and so, then maybe something happened you know i've just we gotta we gotta just kind of wait because you know a lot of stuff and people on tv you ain't allowed to we had to go for a year and not say nothing about the damn show to anybody other than my old lady you know i mean she knew because i came home when i came home you know <laughs> so, but uh so that it's a uh, it's interesting i think once it's we get this whole covid19 behind the whole world get it all back calm down I think because production, post-production, that's why the show was delayed the way it was because of COVID. And they can't release everything they had in the damn box at one time because nobody knows how long this is going to last, you know. So new shows were refreshing. And, you know, I don't know how many more they got left in the bucket, but, you know, hopefully they'll get them out there soon, you know. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Alrighty, so this is the point where I like to uh, to ask my guests if they wouldn't mind sharing a little lesson for the for the viewers and the listeners. So maybe talk us through a protein or a particular cooking technique that you like to use, something like that? Well, I'm, I'll tell you, yeah, I got one for you, and I swear by it. Because like I told, you, I told you earlier, I can only do 12 chickens at a time. If you got the time... You have to do the brine. That's all there is to it. If you got the time and the space in a refrigerator, there's no other better way to cook a dang bird, whether it's a chicken or a turkey, than brining it first. And you can do whatever you want. I'm going to tell you, you know what we're doing on Thanksgiving? You ain't going to believe this. I'm going to put my turkey in a five-gallon bucket of pickle juice. 
dill pickle juice. Yes, sir. Then I'm going to cook it on my pellet grill. Okay. With pecan wood pellets. And I bet you that bitch is off the chain. Oh, excuse me. I bet that thing's pretty dang good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, uh, but if you got the time to do the brine, look, let salt and sugar are magic to meat. Okay. People need to take that salt and sugar are magic to meat. Use it. I don't care if you're going to cook it in the oven, you know, brine the damn bird for 24 to 30. If it's, if it's already a bird, it's got like a, a sodium content pumped into the bird, <clears throat> which, you know, you buy them sometimes and it's not fresh. They have that extra stuff put into it. Then let it sit out, thawed out in the refrigerator for a day before you do that. So everything will get loose. Then put it in your brine because you're going to get a better taste. But I, what I would say per gallon of water, a lot of them will say a cup of salt, you know, meat, low sodium, go with three quarters cup of salt, even a half a cup of salt, maybe. Cause all you need the salt to do is to open the meat up and take in the other flavors. That's what it does. So salt. And then what I would do if I was doing a gallon of water and a 10 pound bird for a Turkey, chickens are smaller, but you can still do a gallon. I do half a cup of salt and a whole cup of sugar. And then you put whatever aromatics you want to put in there, whether it's garlic, rosemary, poultry seasoning, onion powder, whatever, because if you can get the meat to open up and start taking the sugar, you don't take all that stuff in there. And that way you, your breasts aren't as dry because the flat thing about birds, they get dry in the breast to get the other part done. I mean, when you first eat them, it's good, but they're hard to reheat because they get dry. But if you have a little extra moisture in them, a little extra flavor, it's okay. But if you got the time, you got to do the brine. That's what I say on any poultry season. I don't care if it's a turkey or a damn chicken. If it's chicken parts, you know, I cook chicken parts all the time. Half chicken, quarter chicken, it don't matter. If you got the time, do the brine. And that's why I can sell 12 chickens here in less than 10 minutes online because that shit's good. And remember, too, I'm going to tell you one thing. When you do that, you have to cook them over 300 degrees, okay, or you're going to get rubbery skin. You don't want rubber. Ain't nobody want no rubbery skin on the bird. So at least 300, you know, go. And at the end, if you got a lot, if you're doing a pellet grill, which is just almost too easy, then kick it up to 350 for the last 30 minutes. And that's going to be as crisp as it can be, you know, but do the brine, cook your birds over 300 degrees and you'll have a good bird every single time. No doubt about it. Oh man, that sounds delicious. You got me wanting to do a turkey now. I've uh, my my wife's American, and Thanksgiving's this week, so I might have to uh, pull out like a like like a Wednesday afternoon after work turkey. I think. Yeah, I've never done one in pickle juice a turkey. Well, I've done chicken wings in pickle juice, but I've never done a turkey. I said, "Well, shit, we ain't never done one before." I actually, because I had pickles with my barbecue sandwiches this past weekend, I got a big old bucket of pickle juice, just pickle juice. Let's, it's, I ain't gonna throw it out. Let's put the damn turkey in there. Let it sit for a day and a half. And then I put a little season on the outside of it. I don't know what yet. Maybe just salt, pepper, and garlic on the outside on the skin. But I'm going to cook it on a pellet grill with some pecan pellets and see how it turns out. You know, I doubt it'll be bad, but I don't know if it'll be good, you know. So. Well, I've done some, uh, I've, I've done chicken thighs brined in pickle juice for my own homemade pickles. And uh, it was, it was very good. Very, very good. I make pickles every year, man. I bet you I do six, eight cases of pickles every year. Pasta sauce, salsa pickles every year i can them put them up and they're in the pantry now you know what i'm saying beautiful man i, I love, love it i love it yeah yeah well look this is probably a good time for us to uh to start rounding out the interview and start wrapping things up so i'm going to uh throw the studio over to you you can give some uh give some thanks give some shout outs to people that have helped you along the way and tell everybody where they can track down the one and only grubs the uh the backwoods grill billy on the internet 
Well, I'd say I'm gonna say for where I'm at today in my life in the barbecue world, man, I gotta thank everybody that's given me an opportunity, mostly Netflix recently. But it's my wife who stood by me for all these years while I chased my dreams, you know, and I bought all these cookers and she's like, Well, how much many cookers do you need? Just one more because I gotta do this, you know. So I got a plethora of cookers now, but thanks to her, and she's put up with me 33 years now we've been together, and she ain't kicked me out yet and, you know, made me stop cooking barbecue. So, I mean, it, it's wonderful. And uh, the best thing, I mean, for me, I do, I got at James Barbecue Grubs on Instagram, Grubbecue on Facebook, James Grubs on Facebook, and I try to keep up with that, but some of that's just I ain't got time for all that nonsense. So, uh, you know, we just kind of move on. But I'll follow, I post pictures, I post recipes. I love doing what I do. And I, all I can say is I'm going to tell everybody, if you get an opportunity to even try to do something like this, like the American Barbecue, give it a try. You might not make it this time. You might not make it next time. But when you make it, you'll be, it's the time of your life. I mean, there's no doubt about it, man. This is, that was like, say, you know, the ultimate for somebody in the barbecuing world to just go and be able to compete in something like that and have the equipment, the people that were you cooking against, the judges, the whole thing was, it was surreal almost, you know, but have fun doing it. Bring you to bring a positive attitude when you go in there because there's ups and downs and it's stressful. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of stress on that, but if you keep your head right, keep it tight, it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? And I was, like I said before, I went in there to have fun. I went down as an alternate. I made up my mind. I'm going to have fun no matter what. So for the 11 days I was down there, I had fun every single day. Yeah. You know? We can tell that from watching the show, man, you were my favorite to watch. So it was, uh, it, I, I was thrilled when you said that you'd come on the show. So thank you. We well, you know much. there's no make believe here, man. I'm as real as moonshine and country as cornbread, brother. That's how it rolls, you know? Love it, mate. I love it. Look, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Hey, keep smoking them, man. All righty. There you have it, family. That was the one and only James Grubbs, a.k.a. Grubbs. The, uh, the self-described backwards grill billy from Netflix's new show, The American Barbecue Showdown. As I did say during the episode, Grubbs was my favorite to watch. Um, I just thought he was just uh, a, a real character on screen, and he just had a great heart that he brought onto the show as well. And he cooked some great-looking food as well. All right, so that's about all the time we have for today. I do have some announcements that I just want to quickly run by again at the end. Again, big big shout-outs and thanks to Jagged Woodfired for being our podcast partner for this episode. If you are looking for a new barbecue smoker or grill, do make sure you head on over, check them out. Glenn and Jules do some great, great work. Uh, we do have our free ebook available for you on the Smoking Hot Confessions website. Head on over to that, smokinghotconfessions.com, and get your free copy of our Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. And if you're not there yet, do come and join us on our Facebook group on, well, Facebook. The, it's the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community. Come on over, join us for that. It, it's a really good time. And if you're watching on YouTube, do give us a like and a subscribe. And if you are watching on Facebook, give us a like and a comment and a share. If you've got any questions for James or myself, pop them in the comments. We'll make sure we get back to you. If you're watching on IGTV, give us one of those cute little hearts and a follow so we can let you know every time we put up the next Instagram TV video. And if you are listening on a podcast app, please do give us a five-star rating and review. It is going to help Apple put the show out to more listeners like yourselves. And we love you and we would love to know more of you. So... Yeah, that's it. Now it really is all the time we do have for today. So thank you very much and take care of each other and keep on queuing.
Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.